Welcome to the podcast. I'm Larry Markowitz, and this is Spotlight Aisha, the podcast series presented by Aisha, the International Association of Young Lawyers. Over the course of season three, we'll explore the topic of efficient law firm management. And to kick things off today, we'll focus on artificial intelligence in an episode we call AI for Lawyers, Techies, and Tech Savvy Lawyers. We'll open your eyes to the power of AI to transform your legal practice and even provide tricks and tips for purchasing legal technology. The legal profession is sometimes described as being tradition bound. Lawyers have not necessarily been early adopters of new technologies. However, eventually the fountain pen gave way to the typewriter, which gave way to the word processor, and management of law firms gradually became more efficient. But artificial intelligence has the potential to take law practice efficiency to a whole other level. To learn more about this topic, I have the pleasure of welcoming two leading experts in AI and the law. From Cologne, Germany, we're joined by Marybeth Banischek, and from Toronto, Canada, just down the 401 highway from Montreal, where I am based, is Daniel Myers. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Larry. Great to be here. Thanks, Larry and Naija for having me. My pleasure. Now, Mary Beth, you're an American litigator and a UK solicitor living and working in Germany for the past 13 years. You're the chief innovation officer at EY for Western Europe and a partner in EY's forensic and integrity services in Germany. I understand you have an expertise in e-discovery, managed document review, document intelligence, data protection technology, and privacy compliance. That's quite a list. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Larry. Maybe <laughs> just missed that I have, I'm living in Cologne with my 11-year-old son. I think in the audience, maybe some other mothers might uh, connect with that fact. Awesome. And Dan, you're the president of the consulting division at TransPerfect, which is a global provider of legal technology solutions and services. Before that, you were a partner at a major New York City law firm where you chaired the firm's e-discovery and information governance practice group. So you've essentially been working at the intersection of law and technology for the past 20 years, if I understand. Yeah, that's correct. And hearing you say that is a bit of a shock to me if you were to go back in time and speak to a young junior associate, Dan Myers, and say, this is where you'll be in 20 years, I would have said, no way, I'll be in trial every day doing right for the world. Uh, but the truth of the matter is my career took a, a pretty defined um, move to the technology side. And, and I'm so thrilled about that. It really is not just the present, but the future of law. Um, so be excited to be talking about this today. That's great. And you also had a move to Canada along the way. We all have zigzag uh, CVs, I guess you could say. Before we address the uh, tech-savvy lawyers in our audience, let's really begin at the basics. Uh, Dan, could you give me a one-sentence definition of artificial intelligence? What are we talking about? So it's a great question. To me, artificial intelligence is all about pattern recognition. So it's training a computer algorithm to recognize patterns. A really nice example of that and one of the, the breakthrough moments in AI um, is the Google Cat which was really lots of images of different animals being presented to humans and humans saying, that's a cat, that's not a cat, that's a cat, that's not a cat. And the AI algorithm in the background taking these human annotations and starting to say, oh, I see patterns in all the images that are defined as cats. 
pointy ears, long tails, etc., until the AI program itself could independently find a cat versus a not cat. In the legal space, the sort of translation of that context is typically around language. So a lot of the AI in the legal space is natural language processing or NLP, and it's training a computer algorithm that these words or these types of phrases indicate bribery or fraud or corruption, etc. So then you're training the AI tool to itself be able to identify that type of activity on its own. So that's my, not just one sentence, apologies, Larry, but my 10,000 foot in, you know, as close as I can get to, to layperson per, lay terminology, what AI means, at least to me. I think that explains it well. I mean, at the end of the day, law is also uh, a field where we look at patterns from the past and try to apply them to the future. And if I understand, that's what the machine learning principles of AI are doing. They're taking past patterns and making predictions for the future and often more accurate predictions than human beings could make. Uh, Mary Beth, uh, many of the lawyers listening to us are probably thinking, well, now that Dan and Larry explained what AI is, uh, this sounds fascinating, but how is this relevant to my practice? Can you give us an example of how law firm management technology can help make a law practice more efficient? Sure, and it's actually um, maybe a good starting point to think about if we're talking about law firm management technology, so technology to manage a law firm. What do you need to manage a law firm? What are they trying to do at its core? And I think, I mean, obviously they're trying to satisfy their clients. This has to be one of their major goals. They're obviously also trying to satisfy their own employees. And maybe there's also some aspect where they're trying to make sure they're competitive with their competitors and remaining state of the art. And so with that in mind of what they're trying to achieve, I think there's still like a very wide variety of law firm management technology. But to be honest, thank God we're talking about it because from my perspective, it seemed like a really long time that there was pushback or lack of adoption in the in the legal world. Um, and so actually I'm quite happy that there's a long list, but the problem with there being a long list is that it might actually be overwhelming some legal departments. Um, but I mean, let's think about what examples would be. So you have to have email to communicate with each other. Then you probably have some technology where you're sharing documents with each other. Um, you have to run a conflict check. So you've got all that management technology. Um, you got to make sure you're not violating sanctions. Uh, you got some legal research there. You got an e-file. Um, documents with the court or maybe even a arbitral tribunal. They've got accounting like every other company, processing invoices. And I mean, also using communication tools like Zoom or Teams or, or the telephone. So that's a wide variety of technology to manage a law firm. And I think there's pros and cons. We could talk all day about um, all the details around it. But one thing for all of those kinds of technologies is really clear no matter what you have, you better make sure that it's safe because cyber attacks these days are increasing um, at, an, at a phenomenal rate. And if you're not protecting your client data, I mean, your reputation is immediately gone, right? So at the end of the day, looking back at the tools, and obviously you have to be sensitive to cyber attacks and the like, like with any software, but it seems like these AI tools are really there to save time. Uh, and time is money, especially for lawyers. That's exactly right, making things efficient. 
Yeah. Okay, Dan, let's say I'm sold on AI and, and now I want to rush out and buy some AI tools for my law practice. First of all, let's say I'm a sole practitioner. Do I really even need AI? Isn't law firm management technology only for big law firms? I think that's a great question, Larry. And, and my view of it is that um, it's appropriate for all size firms. In, in fact, I think in a lot of the ways, legal technology, AI based and, and otherwise, levels the playing field between big law and smaller boutique and regional firms. Um, I've seen some phraseology around boutique is the new black based on the use of legal technology because there were you know many years really the history of law if you were working on a big M&A deal and there was just a huge volume of documents to get through in due diligence or working on a con contentious matter and a huge volume of documents to get to to find the needles in the haystack smaller regional boutique firms couldn't compete with the battalion of junior associates that big law would throw at the problem and brute force their way through the issue. Um, but a lot of these tools level that playing field, letting the AI do some of that hard lifting, heavy work so that the lawyers can, you know, work smarter, not harder, spend more time doing actual legal analysis rather than just trying to find the documents that matter. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think AI can have as much or more value for smaller and boutique firms than big law. So the scale that used to be achieved by hiring uh, 50 associates a year could be eliminated basically to some extent by using technology that can go through multiple documents in a short time, um, 24 hours a day. That's exactly right. Uh, Mary Beth, what are some of the challenges in adopting artificial intelligence tools to manage a law firm? Ooh, um, Dan, I'll be interested to, to hear if you agree with this one as well. I, I think from the beginning, lawyers and law firms speak different language than techies. And sometimes just the words that are used to request from procurement or request from IT is the starting point of one of the biggest challenges, which is can law firms articulate what exactly they want? And I think in the realm of AI, there's a there's a spectrum of things you can request. So maybe you don't really need AI. Maybe you need just a workflow. Maybe you need a questionnaire that someone fills out. Maybe what you're really wanting is machine learning. Um, maybe, maybe it's supervised or unsupervised, or maybe it really is AI in the sense that Dan described it at the beginning of the, of the podcast. But I think one of the challenges is being able to articulate with precision what, what you really want to achieve with AI without assuming, well, everyone thinks it says that it's fancy and it's state of the art. And so now I need to say that I want AI because this is where some of the downstream challenges can already arise. Dan, uh, do you have anything to add to that? What challenges do you see in leveraging AI in a law firm? I mean, I think I think Mary Beth really nailed it on the head. Um, the, the point I would add to that is uh, these are not easy buttons. AI tools are not easy buttons. Um, it's not like you can just buy some off the shelf AI program and immediately it's finding you all the documents or all the information you need because you had the budget to afford it. Um, beyond the monetary cost of these platforms, there's the human cost. You know, I talked about the Google Cat example at the beginning. You know, before that AI algorithm could 
identify a cat, humans had to review images and annotate them as cat or not cat, training the AI model until it got to the point of being self-sufficient at identifying cats. Likewise, you spend a bunch of money to license an AI platform. That's not the end of your investment. Now you've got the human component of the investment training that AI module to identify the things that you want it to be able to identify, whatever those might be. And of course those change over time. So there will be more training as time goes on. And so just recognizing at the outset that I am not purchasing an easy button. I'm purchasing a tool in my toolbox, but I still need to pick it up and train it and then deploy it on matter after file after project um, is extremely important for law firms uh, and, and their stakeholders to realize on the So earlier we talked about how the output is that we save time using these tools, but you have to be aware that the input may be equivalent or more time, so it has to be managed properly. Uh, now that we've got some idea of the sorts of AI tools available for law firm management, let's be practical. Sophisticated software costs money, and then that software needs to be maintained. How much money are we actually talking about? Uh, either of you, uh, you're both experienced in this. Any ideas? Any suggestions? I, I would say it really does depend, not to, to punt on the answer. There are... Um, discrete defined AI tools that one can license in a sort of cloud-based environment where they're not going to necessarily provide a ton of value to you, but they'll be reasonably priced. On the other hand, if you want to really buy an, an underlying or license an AI engine and start to customize and build the things you're going to train it to do in order to operationalize it, you know, those can get into the, you know, six figures of licensing a year, even seven figures of licensing a year, depending on how large of an organization you are. Um, so it really does run the gamut. I mean, with open source technology and just the incredible breadth and depth of the technology sector, you really do get AI tools of all sorts, some of which are extremely affordable, even open source, free, if you know how to use them. Uh, whereas then they can get incredibly expensive if you're buying a previously trained, highly sophisticated technology that's going to be deployed on a global basis. So the buy versus build uh, debate, shall we say, is not big firm versus small firm. It really depends on your needs because it sounds like a small firm could use a programmer who has access to open source software and knows what to do with it. It might not be uh, as expensive as it sounds. And a big law firm could buy an off the shelf uh, tool, but a really sophisticated one that costs a lot of money. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think the buy versus build decision making process should be dictated by your internal human resources as much as anything. Um, because especially if you're going to go with the build route, this is not you know, finding an engineer or, you know, the, the right IT person or software developer who's going to spend three to six months building you a platform and then put it in your hands and say adios. This is a platform that will need constant maintenance, more training, improvements. The users will have feature requests. It is uh, the, the build path is a marriage, not like a three to six month dating 
um, paradigm. So it's really important if you're gonna go down the build path, which can get you a, a much more customized product for your needs. You need to factor in the salaries and costs um, and, and other operational needs of supporting and evolving and continuing to develop that platform over time because your needs will change. Uh, Mary Beth, do you have any case management software to suggest to our audience? And I suppose this is the part where we talk to those tech savvy lawyers. Sure. Um, I mean, I suppose like whenever you're choosing technology, I think you should think about the overall technology stack. And what I mean by that is I believe that a lot of different legal teams I and mean, we talked about it already in the beginning, you know, you've got emails, you've got research tools, you've got invoice tools, you got so many, a variety of tools. If those tools can't talk to each other, this is gonna get really tricky pretty quickly. Um, and I, I have some sympathy for legal teams because I guess if, if you're the head of legal and your team comes and says like, we really want this and this, we did all of our due diligence, this is the perfect tool for us, but it doesn't really connect well into those other tools, um, you know, which, which one is more important. And so I think having a concise tool stack and having that in the background, communicating with the IT team about this is important. And this is why recently I've had the Microsoft E5 modules on my radar. They're coming out with some e-discovery, insider risk, um, compliance management modules. And I think this is quite attractive because a lot of companies already have Microsoft uh, tools. If you haven't if you haven't heard of the, about those tools, it might make sense to, to check them out. Okay, that's that's useful advice. Look, as we approach approach the end of episode one, let's recap. Um, let's have some takeaways. Mary Beth, what are your three takeaways from our discussion? Sure. So I would say number one, know what you want and be able to articulate it. <laughs> uh, reach out for help. Number two, like very simply, if I have the IT team, people who understand it, other friends, uh, clients, customers who might have used that technology. And number three, don't be scared to ask vendors for some extra favors. Good advice. And Dan, what are your three takeaways? I, I agree. Don't be scared as, as number one, although I would say it more in terms of don't be scared at the prospects of this black box of AI. There are a lot of really good, really pow powerful, really value add legal technology tools that are not AI based. Um, they're not scary. They're just workflow programmatic tools to increase efficiency. So that's one, don't be scared. Two, be organized. Again, your objectives will dictate your search. So know what your objectives are in advance. And third, it is a journey, not a destination. Your The tools available will change over time. Your needs will change over time. Your tech stack will evolve over time. Don't let perfect stand in the way of good. It's okay to license a tool that's going to advance the ball knowing it's not the final solution that you're ever gonna utilize. That's just the nature of the beast. And finally, for our listeners who want to stay up to date on the rapidly changing topic of artificial intelligence in the law, what resources would you recommend? Mary Beth? Is, isn't everyone um, reading all the Richard Susskind books? Um, if you don't know Richard Susskind, he's uh, from Oxford and writes a lot of different um, books around helping lawyers um, accept and integrate the future 
of technology in the practice from various different angles. Um, and so I can I can recommend those books. Um, we also have some interesting case studies, which which maybe I would ask Larry if we can somehow connect them to the to the podcast and some sort of resource. And of course, I mentioned it before the the maybe the Microsoft E5 modules is something you can just Google to to learn more about those capabilities. Um, and as they advance, I think it's something everyone should have their their eye on, have it on their radar. Thanks. And Dan, what's your uh, homework assignment for our listeners? I, I generally stay up to date through a couple of different sources. First and foremost, Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of different Twitter accounts that are focused on legal tech or law and technology or artificial intelligence in the law. Um, so even just running searches and then following um, some of the, the experts around there is very useful. A lot of blogs, the artificial lawyer, um, other blogs on how to better integrate technology in, into a legal practice and, and legal practice workflow. Really nice sources to stay abreast of, of the most recent developments in the space. Mary Beth Banischek, Dan Myers, thank you both for sharing your insights on this cutting edge topic of artificial intelligence and the law. Thanks for having me, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Aisha. Great. This has been episode one of season three of Spotlight Aisha. As our season progresses, we'll continue to explore the topic of efficient law firm management by speaking with experts and legal professionals from all over the world. We'll discuss business development, the war for talent and talent retention, and efficiency beyond technology. We'll also present highlights from AISIA events as we lead up to AISIA's next annual Congress set to take place in Rio de Janeiro from August 21st to August 26th, 2023, where the theme will be Rethinking the Law in Four Dimensions. You've been listening to Spotlight AISIA, a podcast produced by AISIA for young lawyers across the globe. Over the course of season three, we'll be offering practical tips to help both young lawyers and more seasoned professionals to improve their business and professional lives. We'll talk to lawyers and other experts as they share valuable insights into the legal profession. Tune in each month for something new. If you like what you've heard and wish to be notified of future episodes, follow Aisha on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Or you can simply download Spotlight Aisha wherever you find your favorite podcasts or at aisha.org. For all of us at l'Association Internationale des Jeunes Avocats, this is Larry Markowitz wishing you a great day. Mm-hmm.